Transformational leadership is all about the and. It's about vision and execution, choices and agility, today and tomorrow. Welcome to There's a Better Way. Each episode, Professor Arvind Chandrasekharan sits down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss how business principles can provide solutions to problems we may face in our professional or personal lives. This program is brought to you by The Ohio State University, Max M. Fisher College of Business. Uh, welcome to There is a Better Way. I'm here with Jennifer Dorr, who is the Chief Strategy and Transformation Officer of the Wexner Medical Center, uh, joining us today. Welcome to the program, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So, Jennifer, you have a very unique background working in corporate America and then working in healthcare and now doing a very significant work at uh, the Wexner Medical Center. Just out of curiosity, like, can you give us an overview of what led you where and why are you doing what you're doing right now? Um, I'd love to tell you it was a, a very intentional straight line plan, but uh, graduated from college and had the privilege of joining uh, Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and I loved working there in a consumer goods company um, and uh, just had the opportunity to continue to grow and have different experiences across different businesses, both in the United States and abroad. Um, and uh, was there for 26 years and decided that uh, I was ready to do something different. I'd had a, a wonderful career, an amazing organization, um, and I'd always had a love for um, healthcare, um, something that was a bit more mission oriented. And so I had the, the real privilege of technically retiring from Proctor. Um, and so I stayed retired for about three weeks and had the privilege again to join um, an exceptional healthcare organization, Cincinnati Children's. Um, and um, it really was a calling, um, which I think is true for many people who are in healthcare. Um, and I've spent the better part of the last decade or so in healthcare, both at Cincinnati Children's and now um, at Wexner, um, with a stint in between um, in the venture space. Um, and um, a lot of what I really love to do, and I guess it's part of the journey, um, is to transform organizations to transform outcomes to solve problems. And so I feel like I've had um, really just a, a huge, huge benefit of being able to do that in in uh, several different areas, several different ways with very different organizations. That's great. In fact, let, let me ask you right away, transform and healthcare seems to be like an oxymoron for me. Because again, like I feel that healthcare is something where it's very difficult to transform and all. Now that your role is kind of the chief strategy and transformation officer, what, what do you do on that front? Because Ohio State Wexner Medical Center is a huge organization with a lot of talented people and all. What's your role and how do you do that? You know, it's, it's a very good question. And some days I would say, um, I don't know. And other days I'd say um, kind of one bite at a time. Um, you know, a lot of transformation for me starts from um, kind of where are we? And where are we trying to go, right? And what is that transformation and can you define it? So whether we are doing work at the enterprise level, looking at Wexner Medical Center overall, um, whether we are looking at the College of Medicine, whether we are partnering with a specific department, um, we had a great call today with the CFO and the head of our pharmacy. Um, you know, what is pharmacy today and what could it be into the future? And so um, it starts for me, I see it starts there, right? Where are we and where do we want to go? Um, and then um, really a, a fairly disciplined process on um, what, what is the, the environment like today? What's the landscape look like? Where, what, are, what are our strengths and our weaknesses, our opportunities and our threats? 
Um, and I think importantly, what's happening outside of us. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest challenges for healthcare and particularly for academic healthcare, right? Um, because it's really, I think for a long time, maybe it has not been as um, as outside in considerate, uh, considered. Um, but I think increasingly innovation is coming from lots of different places. Disruption is coming from lots of different places. And while we have tailwinds, we also have significant headwinds. And so in order to be able to successfully transform, we need to understand all of that and then define what has to be true to be able to succeed. Um, and I think the last thing um, that is critical, and it's probably true in all transformations, is what is your change management effort, right? Who needs to be enrolled? Um, what's the pace that we can go at? And some of that is internally uh, determined. Some of it is driven by external forces. Um, and so those are really how, how I've really tried to approach it in the context of healthcare. But you're absolutely right. Um, it isn't easy. I think if it was, um, we would have already made meaningful and necessary breakthroughs in the industry. Um, but, you know, we all deserve better. Right. And I think everyone can agree that we're not where we need to be, whether that's in outcomes, whether it's in cost structure or value or quality. Um, and I think, uh, you know, even in the terms of, of how do new industries or new technologies come together to bring solutions that we hadn't thought about five or 10 years ago, you can look at, you know, telehealth as a um, as, as a huge breakthrough, um, you know, pre-COVID and now today. So, so Jennifer, let's go into some specifics here. Like, tell us more about, like, again, are there a, a couple of initiatives that you are leading at this point at the Wexner that is along this journey, like be it in telemedicine or be it in, like, I, I see a lot of times now hospitals are doing this one-stop clinics where everybody is together. It's no longer yeah. like you have different specialties. What's going on in those kind of things at Wexner? Yeah. Um, what's exciting is that there are many different um, answers to that question, right? Because there's a lot going on. Um, you know, I can I can talk about our relatively new um, large ambulatory facilities that have been uh, um, that have come out of the ground um, in uh, in New Albany um, about a little over a year ago, and in Dublin um, even more recently. Um, very different, you know, several hundred thousand square feet facilities. They're a combination of medical office buildings and clinics along with ambulatory surgery centers. And so while it's, um, I don't know that I would call it one-stop shop, it certainly is a much more integrated way of thinking, including the development of new ways to deliver care even within that facility. So we have a new program called Advanced Immediate Care, which is actually in essence emergency level medicine, but not in the emergency room and trying to bring new and innovative different ways of organizing ourselves um, and delivering care in a manner that is delightful for patients, right? Easier access um, and you know more same day kinds of activities. So that's one example. And those really, um, that strategy has been in process for a while, but the the um, culmination and the the opening of those facilities is relatively new. Um, I'll give you another great example. If you look at transformation of care, um, we have in the last 18 months stood up a home care post-acute care division. Um, so if you think about where did where where was healthcare traditionally, it was in a hospital, right? The patient had to come to the mothership, not an easy place necessarily always to get into. Um, and frankly, being in a hospital may not be the ideal place for everyone to be. Um, we came from the hospital out to the ambulatory sites. And very recently, as I said, we've opened up this new division. So we now have an Ohio State home care 
uh, joint venture. We have a very substantive relationship with an organization called Dispatch Health, which allows a patient to stay at home and get high acuity um, care in their home, um, care that is coming out to them with a partner. Um, and in the last, I guess, two months ago, we opened up a program with Dispatch Health that is called Hospital at Home that allows us to really very thoughtfully determine, could a patient be able to get hospital level care at home, right? And it, there's a there's a very um, detailed uh, process by which we determine if the patient is eligible, right? Very, very thoughtfully. And then we present that opportunity to the patient. And if they decide to say yes, then we move into them being able to get that level of care. Very, very novel concept. Um, but again, it speaks to how are different ways that care can be transformed and be able to allow patients to get right care in the right time to the right patient at the right time. Um, you know, there are other things that we are doing with our large Ohio State Health Network. We have 23 different systems in that um, and really looking at how do we better connect with them and create meaningful relationships um, and so nine of those hospitals are on our instance of Epic, right, through a, a program that we're working on. Um, and, you know, other things looking at health equity, right? How do we look at our own data and understand what is what is happening and what may be contributing to um, inequities that occur within our system? And then what do we need to do to really look internally and externally to fundamentally transform what we do and how we do it? to eliminate ideally those inequities. Um, so that's just, you know, those are four of many different things that are going on in terms of transformation, um, kind of, I wouldn't say at a project level, but across the enterprise. Yeah, these are very much enterprise kind of transformation. Let us let's let me ask you a follow-up question on the, the hospital at home, which could also translate to other uh, trans transformation initiatives. So that is a, a, a game changer, as you really mm -hmm. described having a, a, a mechanism where patients are actually now at home, but experiencing the same thing that they would experience in a hospital. That's really value add from a patient standpoint. So absolutely no, no questions there. But let's flip our thing and look at the provider standpoint. It's not easy for you to think about having that kind of a mindset change from a provider. All of a sudden, you are asking them to think about the way that their care delivery, their instructions are done is different, right? So how did you like, even taking that as an example, what what are some things that you did to change the provider's mindset? Because it's, yeah. not it, it's an outstanding question. And I think transformation is about change management and often it's about behavior change, right? So um, one of the things that we've really worked hard on, and this is me with many colleagues is, um, who needs to be involved as we begin to even think about new and different ways of doing what we're going to do? And are we clear on the why, right? Um, you know, if you think about uh, telemedicine, right? Um, the providers often, you know, if you've got in behavioral health, there's some great evidence that um, people are more compliant and tend to keep their appointments with virtual behavioral health at an even higher level than when they had to come into the office. So the benefit in that instance is you're, you're able to deliver care more consistently to an individual. Um, 
which is a win for the provider who wants to be able to deliver that care. But then how do you look at the workflow and how do you bring that provider into the new process we might be using, the new workflow? And so with everything we've been doing with dispatch, as an example, we have had very strong provider partnerships with us at the table to think about what the workflow is, right? And so I talked about the decision or the rubric to determine who gets selected or who should even be considered. That wasn't, you know, a strategy person and an administrator thinking about that. It was in really close partnership with our internal providers as well as our external partners together determining how do we get to a place of confidence and then how do we work together to ensure that 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 end-to-end process is um, as seamless as it can be and a real win-win. But I think that the thing that you've talked about is something that we have to always keep in mind. You know, what we decide to perhaps do new can't be overly biased to only benefit the patient. We actually need to balance that on um, what I would say is patient delight and provider delight. And when we can find those kinds of opportunities, that's where the magic can really occur because everybody is seeing a win-win in the outcome. That's great. So again, like the whole idea is, how do I now bring in the providers to understand value that that these initiatives can have for them, right? So um, that's very important. So I'm I'm, I'm also going to ask you again, uh, Jennifer, about the new hospital that's going on. Like, uh, so tell us more about for our listeners out there, if you if you were to just like walk on or like go on 315, you see these huge buildings going on, right? Like, is this going to be another part of the university hospital? What what's and when is it going to take effect? So the new hospital, um, which is absolutely uh, more than coming out of the ground, will open in 2026. Um, and um, state-of-the-art facilities, significant incremental beds. It's not entirely incremental. Um, There is a decent percent of the building that will be replacement. Um, But if you look at um, University Hospital, Rhodes and Doan, um, they're wonderful facilities. Um, They are, relatively speaking, fairly mature facilities as well. Mm -hmm. And so as you think about uh, transformation of care delivery, right? How does care, you know, rooms were built a long time ago when there was a different kind of equipment, a different amount of equipment. And so how do we ensure that we are uh, building a facility that really will be state of the art to deliver exceptional care um, to the patients that are going to be there? Um, adding beds, obviously, for the, you know, if you think about um, new hospitals, and you think about the growth of ambulatory, and you think about the growth of home, part of what we need to sort through and continue to think about strategically is who should be in the hospital, right? And how do we ensure that those that are, you know, in the inpatient environment um, are are um, those that really truly need to be in the inpatient environment and uh, and designing that to be able to provide the, 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 the best level, the highest quality of tertiary and quaternary care for those individuals. And then what can move to an ambulatory site? What can be done you know, in an outpatient environment um, in, in a same day surgery kind of capacity? So um, exciting new technologies, um, you know, how do you make the, the rooms and the equipment that is there as sophisticated as possible possible that is in enabling um, effectiveness, enabling efficiency, um, both for the patients and importantly, as you said earlier, for the providers. That is great. I mean, 2026 is not that far away. 
It's really, it's really, really not. And I think what's exciting, we had this conversation just the other day is how do we think as an organization about the next two years, right? So 2026, while that's two years away, or, you know, almost three years away, it'll be here tomorrow. And so, um, you know, with our colleagues that that are leading the uh, leading the efforts around the new tower, ensuring that we're really thinking about how do we prepare for the opening and maximizing our readiness to take uh, advantage of it to bring real value to the patients. Sounds great. I know we're running out of time, but I do want to ask this very important question for our listeners. So you've, as you mentioned in the introduction, you've had the transformational role across a variety of industries, consumer <laughs> goods, uh, children's healthcare, private ventures, now in big hospital like this. So what, what do you think are some critical, fundamental essential skills that one should have if you think about doing transformation in their companies? What are some things that they should have? Um, I would say in terms of fundamental skills to be uh, in transformation, I think um, the ability to kind of, I'll say, go high and go low, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked earlier about the notion of how do you transform, right? Well, in order to transform, I need to know where I am and have the ability to envision where I want to go. So mm -hmm. I think that that's a really critical skill. I think you need to also bring others along. If you're going to be a transformational leader, bring others along to that vision, right? Otherwise, as I sometimes say, the Pied Piper would have no one behind them, right? And I, I, I don't transform anything on my own. I mean, that's just the truth, right? And when you're working at a system level, excuse me, the ability to envision and enroll and engage is, is very critical. So that's kind of the high part, right? The low part is um, vision won't necessarily drive the ultimate outcome from a transformation standpoint. So you also have to be able to um, play at and invest in the implementation side of the transformation. And, you know, are my action plans detailed enough so that I know uh, where I am going, how am I heading towards that transformation, and that I've got metrics and success criteria against it. And so I think that if you start with the high, right, and really envision what that future is, those are parts of the skills. But to be able to be an operationally excellent uh, leader is also critically important. Um, and to, you know, finally uh, make sure that we have effectively defined across the continuum and across the entire team how we will collectively measure success. And I think that that is something that is a bit unique, I would say, in academia versus my experience in corporate America. And I think you and I have talked about this, right? In corporate America, I knew at Procter & Gamble, there were really three things that mattered, right? Grow the top line, deliver the bottom line, and grow market share. And I would say it almost didn't matter what function I was in. That's what everybody understood. The beauty of academia is that there are unbelievably um, deep, deep competencies across some very um, related but different domains, right? Whether it is education or it's research or it's clinical outcomes or it's the community. And so getting to a granular enough level on what are those success criteria and how will we know whether or not we have achieved and where are we um, is really a, a huge and critical requirement. And so those are those are the three or four areas that I would say um, I have seen across industries that enable people to be successful, 
um, in driving that transformation. Um, and I think the last thing that I would say is, and this is an evolution, I think, around strategic planning and transformation. Um, it used to be that you could do, you know, 10, 20 year cycles, right? Then it was five to 10 year cycles. Um, this is an ongoing, continuous um, um, process where we as leaders, and, and I think everyone who's involved in this has to be um, you have to think about the long term and you have to be fantastically agile to be able to cycle in the minute, right, and deal with the uncertainties that are out there. And I think that that's the last thing that has changed a lot, um, you know, whether it's pre-COVID to today or if you look at healthcare, where are things going? Um, the level of kind of knowledge to assumption ratio and uncertainties is growing tremendously. And so how do you build the muscles to be able to deal with that so that you don't um, you don't get paralyzed? Yep. And on the other hand, you don't get to a conclusion that you've locked in so black and white that it's going to actually be wrong, right? Almost the moment you've locked into it because the environment around you is changing rapidly. That is great, Jennifer. Again, like there's a lot of lessons in the last few minutes of what you just said in terms of what are some unique skill sets. So I really enjoyed this conversation again, Jennifer. Thank you again for spending some time with me. Thank you for the invitation. Great to be with you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. For more episodes or more information about The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, please visit fisher.osu.edu.